0: Okay. Mark, well, congratulations. Welcome to the Don Brankley London Knights Hall of Fame. How about this?
1: It's wild. I uh I got the call a couple months ago just notifying me. Um I was <laughs> I didn't expect it. We'll put it that way. And I don't tip you know, you, you guys covered me when I was there, and I'm sure the newer generation of Knights fans have absolutely no idea who I am. So, you know, for me it's it's uh it's incredibly humbling um and you know to be able to go with Jim and obviously Billy Carroll too I mean this is it's special for me and I think I caught everybody off guard in my family when I shared the information with them so I don't typically get back to London very often as you as you guys know I'm in Ottawa it's pretty far um so we're gonna get a plane ride out there my family's coming in we're gonna kind of enjoy it together
0: love it well you know what not only are the guys who play junior right now Total hockey nuts and follow everything, so they know exactly who you are. There's a picture of you still in the dressing room, and you know what one it is. And I'm if so- you can't see Mark right now, he's closing his eyes and putting his head down. You know what one it is.
1: I'm I'm shocked. I, I'm like I guess I'm not shocked, but I, I am somewhat surprised that that's still there. It's that topless a uh, london free press photo that was like basically a cover boy like a like a sunshine boy style photo that i took back in the day but you know what um you know it it made for great conversation so i'm i'm happy that it's still in there i i'm glad that i haven't been completely forgotten which i think is why i emphasize so much how how big of an honor this is for me to get inducted because this doesn't typically happen with me like this i'm the defensive kind of quiet defensive defenseman when i played there and um, so again, I know I'm repeating myself, but I, I really am so excited to come down and, and and enjoy it. Well, let's talk a little bit about
0: coming to London for the first time because grew up in Ottawa. There's not a lot that's going to bring you to London, Ontario necessarily, unless you have family this way and you did not. So when you showed up to that first training camp with the London Knights, what do you remember?
1: I, Ooh, I was young, um, you know, and I was a late bloomer so definitely very homesick. Um, uh, you know, I, I, overwhelmed is probably the best word initially, only because, you know, any kid that's coming in from junior B, or in my case, it was junior A in the Ottawa area at the time. It's a huge step, you know, and and it was the first year of the John Labatt Center at the time, the John Labatt Center, the JLC. So I'm playing in front of, you know, 9,100 fans as opposed to a couple hundred here in Canada, Ontario. So um, I think, uh, you know, what What made it, honest to God, what made it possible was was the McInerney family that took me in, my billets. Um, they made it very comfortable for me. They were very experienced in that domain. Owen, their son, played for the Knights as a goaltender back in the day as well. So they were familiar with having players over and the dynamic of the hockey player and what it's like. So uh, really, I, I, I cannot credit them enough. And then, of course, the Hunters, you know, I mean. Um, I was a late-round draft pick to the Knights. I was a six-rounder at the time. I was pissed off because I was such a late pick. Um, All those things kind of worked, I guess, in my favor and made me very motivated. But, yeah, coming to London, I think I was just pleasantly surprised with the city. Aside from all the other stuff that I just mentioned, it was a pretty easy transition because it's a beautiful town. I mean, for an OHL city, my goodness, we were so so lucky to play there in that downtown area. Had they fixed it up? It was was gorgeous. So um, I look back now, it was like a mini... NHL city in a way, as far as the experience went and, and, and the downtown core area. So uh, it could not have played out any better for me. And it was the best possible case for me as far as my development goes into the NHL.
0: We're talking with Mark Mathot now a member of the Don Brankley London Knights hall of fame. Mark, in terms of the rise, you were there at basically the beginning or as close to it as possible of the team that would eventually become the team of the century. What was it like all of you guys growing up together as you grew as players? And so many of you went on to
1: huge pro careers. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you look at the draft, uh Corey, Dylan, um, I think I, I forget who the third round pick was, but I know Kyle went in the fourth. I want to say, or was he third? I think I he forget. was the third round pick. Oh, he could be. Okay. And then we had, uh Danny Savred obviously myself Gerald Coleman as well in that draft so um, Ryan McDonald, you know, I mean I,
0: there were like 11 guys who played so look
1: so look at what you have right there so you have right there you've got like a legitimate core from one draft that you could build around And i'm not suggesting that we were that important and that you you know there were obviously other pieces Dave Bolin later on got drafted the following year i mean we had a lot of great players um and Brandon Prust another guy in that i think he went the year before we did but my point is uh very fortunate and um, when we picked all those guys up and I got to know them right off the bat, I mean, it was almost like trial by fire. I mean, when I got there, I was right away playing with Dennis Weidman on that top pairing. And you had Danny and Kyle, um, playing in the top four as well. So we had a whirlwind of experience that first year. And I think that was the best case scenario for the group. And then along with obviously Colsey in the back end and Corey up front and Dylan, um, and we had great vets. I mean, Danny Bois, Dennis Weidman, Ryan Hare, we had uh, Stedman, um, uh, Logan Hunter. I know I'm dropping name dropping a lot of people, but a uh, very significant. Because again, um, it was great for us. The vets treated us really well. Obviously, gave us a hard time once in a while, which is needed as a young player coming in to kind of set us straight. But all in all, it was a very comforting environment. And despite a polarizing head coach as far as the way he played the game, could not have been more professional with us as players. I mean, really, I mean, you know, once in a while he maybe, maybe would go in the room and cut our dress socks and stuff like that. But aside from that nonsense, he was great. And we had a great deal of respect for him. And then even better, you have Mark Hunter, an incredible scout and general manager helping out as well. So we were, we were poised to win at some point, a shame we couldn't do it that my second year in the league, we ended up losing out to the, to the Guelph storm and they went on to the Memorial cup, but all in all, a a great experience.
0: Mark, my thought with us, how about, finishing your career in the OHL in that way top of the mountain like you can't draw it up very few people get to do it you did it
1: yeah it was like a storybook ending right i mean we were hosting the memorial cup um you know we were we were taught we were first team in the CHL i guess basically at that point by the by the memorial cup in 05 we had been already i think top of the CHL class i want to say for the better part of 2 years i believe you can correct me there if i'm wrong Stubbsy but oh, we were there. up there in the rankings. So we, you know, we, we had a legitimate team. It was all about just coming together at that right time and peaking the way we did. And I think you compound that with the fact that it was the NHL lockout season. So there was a ton of media attention around the group as well. Plenty of scouts always in the building. So as you mentioned, everything just came together at the right time. And, and and then of course, you know, Shea Weber in Kelowna, you had Sidney Crosby in, in Ramouski. Um, I mean, the theater was set, right. And I think, I think for me, the biggest motivating factor going into that Memorial Cup, I just remember sitting there in sort of a big conference room and watching Sidney Crosby come in. I think he had like three or four security guards escorting him around. And I think as 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 a 19 or whatever, however old you were on the team at that point, that, that really bothered me. I don't know why, because I didn't know him. And l- later on, you find out he's an incredible human being in person, obviously. But at the time, it was just like, who does this guy think he is kind of thing. And it, so that that really motivated us. And he was the talk of the town when he came in. So we really wanted to make sure that we were prepared and um, things came together and we put together some pretty good games there in, in, in those finals.
0: Yeah, that was fun. They would say they were practicing at one rink and then they would go somewhere else.
1: I remember that, yeah.
0: A lot of stuff going on there (laughs) to just try and keep away all of the attention that was surrounding Sidney Crosby. You guys shut out Sidney Crosby for nothing in that last game. And we've talked so many times about the game that you scored two goals in, including the overtime winner That's still considered one of the best games ever played. And then yeah. you get Ramuski again, anything you ever think back about from that Memorial cup tournament and those games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, of course I remember Corey going to me in OT, which was, I did not expect him about a two on one with Corey Perry. And he elects to pass it to me, a player who had a couple goals that season. But I mean, that, that made it great. And, and it's funny, this might be a little too in depth, but I, I remember my curve at the time when I was playing in the OHL, I couldn't make, I couldn't make a hundred foot pass for the life of me because of the wedge. It was like an old Lidstrom curve. It looked like a golf wedge. So I could never keep the puck on the ice, but it worked fantastically well for me. in those two goals that I scored where I went top shelf on the first goal. And then I, scored. so I guess my point is the stars aligned. Everything happened for a reason. And then I, I would go on further. I think as far as stuff I remember, um, I can remember it, you, you'll probably have a better memory than I do Stubbsy, but it could have been in the final. Do you remember when they had a pest on Ramouski, and it was, it was a sucker punch to Corey Perry, which by today's standards, I mean, Corey would have been taken off the ice and gone out of the game for sure. And that player would have been suspended. I can't remember if he was tossed, but that that moment stands out to me too. Cause as a player and his teammate, I thought, Oh boy, Corey's our guy and he's down now. We might be in trouble. But that 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 kind of stands out to me as well.
0: Mark Mathot with us. Let's go to the NHL career. You were doing something on overdrive recently, and you were talking about a coach who took you aside and said, Stop carrying the puck. I need you to put out fires. Oh, yeah. W- would that be a way that you look at your career, that you were the guy, whether you think about playing alongside and you played in great situations and became known as as a guy who just could be depended on for everything but eric carlson playing with him were you the guy that put out fires in your career do you look at it that way
1: (laughs) yeah i can remember eric getting injured i want to say my second year in ottawa and obviously we had just played together the the year prior we were unbelievable i had gone to the olympic uh, team canada summer camp in calgary the preliminary thing. So obviously I didn't have making that team, but, and, and Eric that year won the, uh, the Norris. And then the following season, Eric got injured. And so I started playing with other players that I was playing pretty well. And I actually put up more points than I ever have playing away from Eric because of course I didn't have to cater to him anymore. But I remember Paul McLean pulling in me, pulling me in rather into the, the, the coach's room and sitting me down and say, "Math, you have to stop carrying the puck and just put out fires. That is your role no more no less and and it's odd because what as a player when you think you're doing very well and you're getting the odd cookie here and there an assist a goal here and there you think you're doing very well but i guess from a coach's vantage point I was not doing so good. I guess he wanted me to stay within my role. So those are some of the lessons you learn as a player. And and that's what gives you longevity in the league. It's, it's, it's excelling at one particular area that you're very good at and you have to find a role. And I stepped outside of those boundaries a little bit. I was put back in my place. So again, um, I'm better for it. And I thank Paul for those, uh, wise words. Recently, you've made the transition to broadcasting. Where did that come from for you? uh, I think we had this conversation, I had this conversation rather with, could have been on Overdrive, it could have been on a podcast recently, but for me it was always toward the beginning of my career, I guess once I got into the NHL, I'd, I'd start doing, you know, interviews after games and discussing stuff with reporters, and every once in a while I'd get great feedback from somebody, it would be, you know, somebody from TSN or Sportsnet or whoever, and they would tell me after the interview, hey, you're very good at this, you should consider you know, getting involved after your career. And I thought, okay, well, I'm not thinking about that right now, but sure. And then once I got to Ottawa, it became a little bit more frequent, you know, where people, cause there's more media up here rather than where I initially played in Columbus. So, um, I think over time compounding that with the old advice for, for athletes and that you always should always have something prepared after your career, right? You know, you don't want to go into your retirement as a young man with no real plan because, you know, it can get very dangerous mentally. It's difficult, Um, so I think that was sort of toward the end of my career. I think I had it in me, in my mind, it was set that, okay, listen, I'm going to start off small, maybe do a podcast, which I ended up doing with Brent Wallace. Um, and then I, you know, that was good, a great springboard for me. Not that that was my intent initially, but I, I I think I, I reached out actually on my own to somebody from TSN one summer a couple years back now. And I just told them, Hey, listen, if you guys are looking for somebody to help out with panel work or whatever here at the Sens games, I'd love to do it. And they finally called me on that a couple months later on. And I think i credit Sam Cicerello from TSN. He kind of believed in me early on and he, he had it for me that, that that would be a great position. So anyway, to wrap that point up um, I haven't looked back. I enjoy it once in a while. I'll do some OHL stuff. I did the London Knights last summer. I did the finals. That was unbelievable doing the color commentary with them. Color's not necessarily my 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 bag per se, but I like doing the panel work. It's a little easier and compressed, um, and and I'm in I'm in charge of my own schedule. I was offered a a couple jobs this summer with several NHL teams um, for develop development roles and stuff. I turned those down because I just like doing this. I like just shooting the shit and being on my own time. So that's where I'm at now. Fantastic.
0: Well, Mark, thank you for all that you meant to the London Knights. And certainly congratulations on the playing career that you had and now on the broadcasting career. And enjoy Induction Day with your family. It's not too far away. Thanks, Tubbs. I Appreciate you. Thank you.